Lord, we are easily distracted and consumed and um, shaped by the things going around us, uh, going on around us. We do pray, however, that your timeless word and uh, truth that transcends our culture and our age and our day uh, might enter our hearts today and uh, shape us, that we'd be wise in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but those two short Bible readings, for me, uh, gave, left me the impression that something matters. Something really matters to both of these authors. It reminds me of the time when I had braces as a teenager, and um, they, were the, they weren't the nice, easy, plastic ones that people have now, but they were the old, big metal ones. And I remember um, just chewing something while our family was watching TV, and that little bit of flesh that joins the tongue to the bottom of your mouth got stuck in my braces on the side somehow. And I, was, and I couldn't speak. And I was getting up in front of the TV and, and indicating and trying to get some help with tears in my eyes. And they all told me to sit down and get out of the way, sort of messing around. Anyway, my mum, with a more tender heart than my three brothers, came and, and helped uh, with some nail scissors, I think, just to cut a little bit of skin. Anyway, I was getting up because something matters. Uh, something more than the TV is going on here. Help. Uh, a pastor at a conference recently who shared uh, that his teenager no longer wants God or church or Christianity in his life was speaking as though something really matters, both to his son who, who um, was making his own decisions in life, but also as he spoke to me about that, I could tell that something matters as he shared that. Um, some things really matter, don't they? And, and some of them aren't in our control. But when we do speak of things that matter, it does affect our tone. And so Proverbs' tone and 2 Peter's tone are similar. The tone in Proverbs is that a parent's appeal about what is most important. And I take it 2 Peter is Peter's way of invoking or using again, bringing to voice again that ancient voice of Proverbs and wisdom into an age when the false teachers were at play in the church and they were leading people astray and down a false path and Peter's wanting again that people come back to the Lord and, and hold on to the Lord. So if we turn our Bibles back to Proverbs chapter 1, if you have them in front of you, it's on page 984. It's going to spend a little bit of time in Proverbs because I think it's shaping Peter's views and, and how he approaches things. So we saw in Proverbs, the wisdom in the Lord is being passed on from wise King Solomon, verse 1. Verse 4 to those in different categories, those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. But also it's verse 5, to the, that the wise listen and add to their learning and that let the discerning get guidance. So whichever category you're in, the simple, the young, the wise or the discerning, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There's that big two Peter word that we've noticed in recent weeks, knowledge. Get knowledge, understand reality. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So 2 Peter chapter 1 about this knowledge and wisdom. We're going to come to two Peter uh, chapter 2 next week, and that's where the fools and folly is going to be introduced. So wisdom in, in, when surrounded by folly. But notice how the father in Proverbs first prepares his son for the 
fools and, and the enticements away from the path of life by prizing wisdom. From verse 8 there in chapter 1, Proverbs. Listen, my son, own at the appeal. Chapter 3, verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you. Proverbs 4, verse 1. Listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Pay attention. Gain understanding. Verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Now, is this a bit OTT, uh, over the top? Is it a bit excessive? Is this paranoid parenting going on? Or is adherence to the Lord's way truly a matter of life and death? And so while this father has the ear of his son, he's, he's making the most of it. Some foolish voices in our culture would think raising kids in the Lord's way is actually to harm them. Let your kids explore, work out their own truth, find out who and even what they are. Uh, don't give them a male name or a female name. Let them work that out as well. Certainly there's no tolerance for this kind of prescription, prescription to believe in the Lord and to trust in the Lord Jesus. So the wise father, aware of the folly all around every generation, is not finished. Chapter 4, verse 20, my son, pay attention. 5, verse 1, my son, pay attention. 6, 20, 7, 1, it just keeps going. Excessive, or does some, some things really matter? Some think the meaning of life is a question we can never answer, a riddle that can't be resolved. But Proverbs and, and 2 Peter as well would have us realise it's child's play. My friend, my child, my home group, my neighbour, it's the Lord, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. Come to him and you will find meaning. As Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Come to the Lord, know the Lord, and life makes sense. Now, not all of life, by the way, but the big question of why we're here and whose we are and, and which way is north. Now, come with me back to chapter two, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, 1,893. Having Proverbs' parental voice fresh in our minds, Peter writes, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your, add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance and so on. Verse 10, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. What more can I say? You know, in a short letter, Peter's putting it all out there. How much more plain, more earnest can he be in his appeal? It sounds like one of the other appeals that come through Scripture as well. So you might remember through the Old Testament, we have the Moses, when he's about to die, gives a final charge to the people of Israel. Uh, Jacob before him, Joshua after him, Jesus in John 13 to 17 gives his farewell appeal. Paul, as we saw in Acts chapter 20 a few weeks ago, gave his appeal to the Ephesian elders when he said, none of you will ever see my face again. Now, therefore, elders, and he goes on, know the importance of your, of your ministry. 
So now we're coming to Peter's farewell appeal. And he chooses to recall the message of Proverbs as the central one he wants to convey. Notice the words related to knowledge and cognition and understanding, recalling what you know in verse 12 onwards. So I'll always remind you, that's a knowledge word, of these things, even though you know them and are freshly established in the truth you now have. I think there's right to refresh your memory. Verse 15, I'll make every effort to see that after my departure you'll always be able to remember these things. So put these words together in four short verses and you get remind, know, truth, refresh your memory, know, made clear, remember these things. A bit excessive or a matter of life and death? The book of Hebrews would say it's a matter of life and death, choosing the Lord, coming to him. Hebrews 9.27 says people are destined to die and after that to face judgment. Hebrews 10.31 would nod in sober agreement and say it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Something seems to matter a lot here to Peter, the man executed for the very message he's delivering. So what is it that Peter actually wants us to remember? First in verse 12, Peter says, so I will always remind you of these things. I take it these things refers to things he said so far from verse 1, that Jesus, your Saviour and Lord, saves and empowers you for a godly life. It's the same body of truth that he refers to in verse 12 when he says you're established in the truth. So this isn't a rebuke. It's a sincere reminder and encouragement. Verse 12 says, Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Uh, It's easy to resent reminders. I don't know how, if you're one of these drivers who doesn't like to be told, turn left when you know you have to turn left by the the well-meaning passenger in the car. Um, I take it that's our pride showing itself when we, we don't like to be told something we know. I don't need to be told. I already know that. Thank you very much. I'm a competent, knowledgeable person who already knew I had to turn left here. Okay. I just said, got to turn left here. But whether you're someone like that or not, that kind of driver, we mustn't resent gospel reminders when they come in their various forms. We sing gospel songs. We have the gospel in sermons and devotions and conversations and in our prayers. It almost sounds like a proverb that the proud resent reminders but the humble hear and are kept safe. We need gospel reminders, friends, because the truth that saved us is the truth that preserves and protects us all the way to heaven. Peter's dying message is the same message that brought him spiritually to life all those years ago. Jesus is Saviour. Jesus is Lord. Follow him wholeheartedly. Keep choosing his narrow, difficult path of discipleship. And I take it Peter's life could have been easier than it was if he hadn't taken that path, but he's still commending it as best he can. Yes, verse 13, he says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I'll soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. The translation here, I think, softens the original, which is quite punchy. While I'm in this 
uh, tent. So the, the word body there isn't in the Greek. It's an explanatory addition. While I'm in this tent, this tabernacle, it's right that I rouse you, prod you, arrest you with this reminder. How does Peter know his time is nearly over? We don't know is the short answer. We don't know his precise circumstances when he wrote this letter, but I take it his circumstances in Rome under Nero's rule before his execution may have seemed very ominous and matching the description that Jesus gave Peter before about how Peter would die after Jesus was raised. You remember from John 21, Jesus said three times, feed my sheep, Peter, to restore Peter who failed Jesus, restore him to ministry and give him ministry direction. And then Jesus said, very truly I tell you to Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went around, went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this, verse 19, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. However Peter knew that his time was coming, it's such an encouragement, I find, to hear him at the end of his life like this. He doesn't use the word die or death, for he knows he will be more alive at that time, I take it. Uh, Paul, likewise, speaks of going to sleep before waking up. So he speaks, rather, of leaving his tent for the implied permanent dwelling awaiting him that he called the eternal kingdom in verse 11 and the home of righteousness he'll call in in chapter 3. So the word he uses instead of death is his exodus or translated departure as well in verse 15. His exodus to a promised land. I'm about to leave you behind, but while this body lives and breathes, I'll keep tending the Lord's sheep. I'll keep rousing his people with the name Jesus. And so the best football fans out there cry, Tigers till I die. And the Christians, however, cry, Jesus till I live. Jesus till I truly live. For we live a little now, but we'll truly live then. The life that is truly life. The life intended for us before even the creation of the world. We know of some great truths of God now. We appreciate the Lord Jesus somewhat now. But our awareness is dim to what it will be. As someone has said, he who has been in heaven for only five minutes knows more than all of the greatest theologians on earth combined. What a great first five minutes that will be. Yes, the Lord... uh, The Peter who urges us to be fruitful, make every effort, he said, to to become fruitful, is a great model for us of fruitfulness until his own departure. He's telling us to do what he himself is seeking to do. The fisherman come the servant of Jesus would proclaim Jesus until his body's little battery is replaced with a body that won't get old and a battery that never dies. It's a wonderful example, isn't it? I imagine as we age, we could reduce ourselves by thinking our time for the king's work is behind us. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. To quote perhaps the country style magazine or the travel agent or the rich fool who had big barns. 
But some Christians seem to honour Jesus right to the end. Each decade better than their previous. And their last decade the very best. Jesus till we live. They remember what matters and they go from strength to strength, as the psalmist puts it. I remember the encouragement an elderly Christian couple gave me when I was growing up and heading towards Mongolia on the mission field. They themselves had been missionaries and they invited me for an afternoon tea at their house to hear what I'm doing and, and to pray for me. Now, I was probably 70 years younger than this couple at the time, but they were interested in my plans and wanted to encourage me in them, and they did encourage me in them. Jesus, till we live, seemed to be their motto. Gone to be with him some years ago. Most of our church's elderly people, or many of them attend our 9am service. Um, I don't want to put people in an elderly age category in this or 5pm congregations. Who, who are the elderly among us? But the more elderly among us in the 10.30 as well are a great encouragement to me. If I'm still in this tent, I want to be living similarly for Jesus in three or four decades' time. There's something in me that envies people getting to that age and still being there. Uh, that they've done something that I still am yet to do. Others in our church have bodies whose batteries are weak. And yet they shine with Jesus with the energy they've got. Some in our congregation have batteries that are strong, but the load of this season of sickness or death or family strains just seem to be relentless, tiring and consuming, and emotionally and mentally they can be near empty. Not worth comparing, says Paul, our present sufferings with the glory awaiting us. Or as another Christian author says, Dear Christian, heaven is but a few years away. Within a very little time, you will be rid of all your trials and troubles, and your eyes, now filled with tears, will weep no longer. Peter likewise has this message to persevere and hold on. Verse 15, I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Far be it from me to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus who held back, who didn't report enough on what he'd seen, who didn't encourage enough people to hold on to this Jesus and be in no doubt of the truth. Just last month, another elderly um, man from my childhood who knew I was pastor here at Dremoyne sought me out at a biggish function and he took me by the hand and he looked me in the eye. And he urged me to press on with Jesus and with gospel ministry. He'd been a Christian leader that I knew as a a young boy. But this man was living with this motto, it seems, Jesus, till I truly live. Ashley's grandmother, now with the Lord also, kept shining for Jesus till the end. With her warmth and her simple repeated motto, whenever we saw her, it would come up in a conversation. It's a wonderful thing to know the Lord, isn't it, David? Peter, for a limited number of breaths, was a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Generation of the eyewitnesses were fading out. The apostles would be no more. And here we are today with our limited number of breaths ourselves. 
now being our time to live for Jesus and to pass the baton to the next generation. How good it was to hear of the plans for youth and and the deliberate attempt and efforts to grow them in the Lord. The baton is now in our hands, DPC. Jars of clay, pilgrims, campers, it might be said, who gathered at Dremoyne week by week in the 21st century, but who left ripples in eternity through their prayers and their witness. They were campers whose roots in the world remained shallow. Their eyes remained fixed on the life to come. They were a community enlivened and warmed and attractive through their rituals of word and prayer and fellowship. And so Peter's words remind, know, truth, refresh your memory. I know, made clear, remember these things. Because tragically in our world, some people have come to the conclusion that life is not worth living and that nothing really matters. Others have tragically come to the conclusion that the wrong things matter, shown by their disinterest in the creator and their judge and their saviour. Just last night there were police out talking to youths on it just outside our house. I don't know what they were getting up to, but I take it they're choosing a path that isn't the Lord's for them. Um, at basketball on Saturday mornings, uh, one enthusiastic and friendly parent told me he just brought his son from soccer to basketball. Wow, I thought it's only 10 o'clock and he's up to his second round of sport for the morning. But then he said next he'd be heading to, I think it was to Homebush from Ride, uh, for the next session of a a sports session that he's going to. And I, I thought, this man may or may not be a Christian, I don't know, but he's certainly pouring his life into his kids. And I hope he's not thinking that that's the totality of what life's about. That's the path of life for him and his son. This man trying his best for his son needs Jesus and his son needs Jesus as well. That Jesus alone can satisfy him and his son. That basketball is good, but it's ultimately a movement of souls in tents around a court. Heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. But if you aim at earth, you will get neither. I sometimes have to check myself as well. And you might too. What would those in your household or your friends say is important to you? I like watching the business news, but if I'm not careful, I might give the impression that life is about beating interest rates. For others, it might be that uh, our kids get the impression that life is about staying safe, staying fit. Our friends might think that life for us is about manoeuvring around a bearish stock market experiencing the great next meal or holiday or purchase or getting the best HSC marks. And other things we might press upon our kids that don't come from the Lord Jesus. Instead, wouldn't it be great if our loved ones, our friends watch us and they hear us and so they're led to remember what matters. Remind, know, truth, refresh your memory. I know, made clear. Remember these things.